Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Mountain View Church, Sunnyside. For gathering times and location, find us at sunnyside.mountainview.org. Last week, we started a series looking at seven good things. It's going to be seven weeks. Uh, They're called the seven deadly sins because in your life and mine, throughout human history, Disobedience is undefeated. Whenever a good thing becomes a God thing, it's always a bad thing. That's what we're looking at. That's what we talked about last week. When a good thing becomes a God thing, that's like a good thing, part of creation, something that God gives you and me. Regardless of what it is, we've got a tendency to take it as a thing that's supposed to kind of add flavoring to our lives and make it a focal point, a worship point in our lives, where instead of just being part of something that we add on, we make it like number one. We blow it out of proportion and lift that above everything else, and our whole life becomes devoted to that. So last week, if you weren't here and you thought, man, I'm really glad that my kids don't go to kids' church and they get to sit here with me, last week we talked about sexual attraction and how that is a good thing from God, but we've messed it up in a million different ways. And as I preached, I saw lots of parents holding their kids' ears closed. And if you're thinking, that would have been me, you missed last week, congratulations, you can follow it on the podcast, you can scan the code on your paper. some point after today, because if you hit like play right now, everybody's going to hear it and your kids are going to hear it. But today we're talking about another good thing that becomes a God thing. And in this one, it's really simple. It's the fact that if you look around and you think of all of the crazy people in your life, everyone who's got that collection where you're like, you should not collect those things. You have a recycling bin and that's where they belong. Everyone who has a weird collection, like you go to their house and you're getting the tour and everything. And then you walk in the room that has the 700 Star Wars action figures on the wall. And you're like, I thought you were my normal friend. Now I need a normal friend. Or like all the porcelain dolls are sitting there just looking at the guest bedroom. Every obsession in the world at one point starts as a collection. Every obsession starts as a collection. Everything where you look at somebody and you're like, you need to get rid of about 500 old newspapers from your garage. Every obsession starts as a collection. And the reason why that happens is because it's really simple. We like nice things. We live in a day and age where there's so many creature comforts that make our lives totally bearable. Like, A few months from now, even though it's cold and rainy outside right now, all of us are going to be lovingly, joyfully addicted to air conditioning. That is good. You're going to come in here and you're going to think, man, I'm so glad we spent all that money to put in this massive tube of cold down the middle of the room. Pastor Aaron looks at it and he's like, man, why do we have that big tube? It like messes everything up. I'm like, you're going to find out in July, bro. Just wait. You're going to find out in July why we have the great tube of blessedness because you're going to walk in and it's going to be 71 degrees and you're thinking, I'm never leaving. You can stay for Spanish church at 2 p.m. Like, it's 71 throughout the day, even if you don't understand anything, you know, 71. And when a good thing becomes a God thing, it's always a bad thing. So then one that we're going to look at today, the bad thing is simply nice things. When nice things start to become the building blocks of our lives, instead of just the nice things around our lives, it always turns into a bad thing. When it turns into a bad thing, we've got a totally different word for it, and it's called gluttony. When nice things turn into bad things, it's called gluttony. 
When they get too big and when this happens for all of us, because there are four of them that we're going to look at, and all of them are good. All of them are from God. All of them are blessings where God says, I want you to do this. When it grows beyond that, it starts infecting our relationships and the way that we treat people, it becomes a bad thing. It's a good thing that turns into a God thing that becomes a bad thing. The memory verse that we've been using as like our true north as we go through this is from John 5. Jesus is having a conversation with the person who's built her life on a good thing from God that has turned into a God thing. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Like drinking water, that's a good thing. And Jesus doesn't say it's a bad thing. He's just saying there's something better, there's something more. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. He's pointing her to eternity and toward eternal things. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And when it comes to gluttony, gluttony is when good things control us. It's when good things control us. For you, for me, it's really easy to see how that is with food. Like God created food for us to eat. Anorexia is not a spiritual gift. God said, I'm giving you food because I want you to eat it. It's all throughout the Bible. There's food stuff all throughout the Bible. The very first sin, the very first murder was about food. And the picture of heaven and earth coming back together and everything being good again, it's food. Which means that there's a good way to eat food. There's a bad way for us to eat food. 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says this. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He's saying there's a way for you to use food that grows your heart for Jesus. There's a way to use food that shrivels you up as a person. There's a way to use food that incapacitates you for doing ministry because you treat your body in a way that you can't physically do anything else. There's a way to do this. And gluttony is a way where discipline takes a vacation and we take something good from God like food. And we say, I'm just going to dig into that. I'm going to let that be my source of comfort. I'm going to let that be my security. I'm going to let that turn into what determines how I live and treat people. One day somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he says it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength unless you're hungry. No, that's not in there. He just ends it at that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we let our appetite, when we let our food and the way that we treat and honor food determine how we treat other people, then we're, we're, in, we're sinning. If we treat people poorly because we are hungry, that's a sin. I mean, you look at it at other things. If, if you came to first service just to try it out, see what it's like, meet all the new people there who you've never seen, but you share a seat every single Sunday. If you walk in and, and you're super frustrated and super mean to anybody, and why is it? Oh, they just haven't had their coffee. Like, that's not normal. They haven't had their sugar. But then you keep, keep drawing that out, and they, they, haven't, they haven't had their alcohol yet today. That's why they're being a jerk. It's stuff that, that we allow into our lives that ends up damaging the way that we treat people. It's gluttony. It's easy with food, right? Food's the easy one. 
For some of you, you're like, man, I wish I would have skipped this Sunday because lust is just that, that's clearer. That's definitely different. Gluttony is when we let food, a creation from God, determine how we treat ourselves and how we treat people. And it's when good things control us. And it's really easy to just kind of look at it that way and say, you know what, that's not me, so this way doesn't apply to me. But there's two other things with one thing attached to that. We're going to look at three other things this week that push us into understanding, okay, how does gluttony actually affect us? How does gluttony work its way into our lives regardless of what physical state you're in? Because this applies to all of us. The God of our age, the God of our world, and the way that we can organize our lives right now is comfort. Like our whole society is based on us making sure everything works out its way for me. And so there are three ways where we're gluttonous that have nothing to do with food. The first one of those is entertainment. I was born in 1981, and when I was like eight or nine, my parents got cable. And at that moment, like the three channels where there was nothing good on turned into 60, and ESPN entered my life. And I have never been the same because there's always something to watch. Now I look at my kids, and ESPN is replaced by YouTube, where if you don't like the video after 15 seconds, you're menuing out of that thing and get into a video that you actually enjoy, and that's not good for us. We are dieted on instant entertainment 24-7. And what that does is it shrivels our brains to make it through anything that's even slightly difficult. Some science person did a study, and they said that humans now have a shorter attention span than goldfish because we're used to just everything right away, all the time, nonstop. And if we're bored, we skip it immediately. I think church is one of the only, we're going to talk in a little bit about how church is already winning at another thing. But there's no option to change the channel from me. I'm the only one. So what do we do when we get bored? Boom, right to our phones all the time. It's when good things begin to take over our lives, and constant entertainment is one of those things. Next one is comfort, right? In four months, we're all going to be addicted to air conditioning, okay? That's a good thing. But if we say, I'm not going outside, it's like 86 degrees. It's a lot colder at Pismo. I'm not going outside until it's like 70. We, lo we lose our ability to do difficult things because we are creatures of comfort, and where that gets really sad is when we lose our ability to be around difficult people because we're creatures of comfort. One of the reasons why I think the church is the hope of the world is because we gather to worship Jesus, which is really good, but we also gather among people who have nothing like us in common to worship one person. You showed up here today, and the people in your car are people who you chose to bring today or if they were too late, then they're, they're, you, you told them they need to be here in their own car after you when you got here early. But after that, the amount of people that you can control in this place is over. If you've ever sat in this room and looked around and thought, oh my gosh, they're here again. You're doing it right. Because the value of the church is it's a gathering of people who have nothing in common to worship everything that we have in common, which is Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that we have in common in this room. And so gluttony is when we say, I'm going to only let my comforts be the number one part of my life, which means difficult people, I'm done with. 
Jesus was loved and followed by people who had nothing in common with him. And he was okay with that. And for you and me as Jesus followers, part of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is lest things bother us. You know, we all know those people in our minds, in our heads, who everything has to be exactly perfect. And if, they're not, if it's not perfect, they're going to let you know repeatedly until you like tap out and you're like, I'm done with you. And then we also know those people who are, who are good, who value difference. Not diversity for diversity's sake, but hey, we're going to do this together. We're going to follow Jesus together. Even though we start at totally different places, this is where we're coming together. And gluttony is letting good things like comfort and people that like me control us. When we make good things the exact way we want them and we dive in with no discipline, we get ruined in the process because gluttony is actually rebellion against God. Gluttony is rebellion against God and God's authority in our lives. I mean, for the, from the very beginning of human history, the number one place where people go wrong in their relationship with God is saying, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do it my way. And I'm not even interested in what you have to say. Like, that's the first temptation that Satan brought against our first parents, Adam and Eve, is the devil showed up and he said, you know, God said not to eat any fruit, which he actually didn't say. But if you eat this fruit, you're going to know good and evil, and you're going to be like God. It's the first temptation to say that what we want is most important, and God's just going to have to figure it out on his own. Gluttony is us saying so long to discipline, so long to doing things in any way that shows any type of restraint. And that breaks our relationships, and that breaks our relationship with God first and foremost. The reason is, is because God loves the world and God created the world with love. If you're here today and you're thinking, man, that, that's good for everybody else. It's good for the orphans in Africa and all that. But me, I, I'm far from God. I don't know if I'm loved by God because of everything in my life. You're still loved by God. God created the world and loves every person in it. And by definition, you're a person in the world, which means you're loved by God. And as a result of all of our nature and choice, we are separated from God because of our sin. Because we say, screw the rules, I'm doing it my way, everybody else is going to have to deal with it. That's sin and that separates us from a relationship with God. We can't be in the presence of God. We can't have God's forgiveness over our life. We're separated from God because of our sin. God is holy and God can't be in the presence of sin. And so since we sin, God can't have a relationship with us. But God didn't leave it there. Instead, God took on human form in the person of Jesus, and he moved into the world to end that separation, end our rebellion against God's authority and God's creation in our lives. We look at the story of Adam and Eve, and, and the serpent showed up and said, I want you to eat this fruit. And so they ate the fruit, and what happened is they immediately realized that what was good beforehand now created separation and now created brokenness. They realized they were naked. And so they grabbed the first thing they could to cover themselves which was a fig leaf. It's not comfortable. It's not permanent. It's temporary. It's broken, but it's the best thing they could find to fix what was going on in their soul. It's rebellion against God's authority in their life. They used choice. They used comfort. They used their own wisdom. 
There's lots of reasons people have for not believing in Jesus. There's lots of reasons people have for thinking the church is, is a useless exercise and, and that everything that the Bible teaches us, it, it doesn't work. Lots of reasons that people have, but they come down to one thing, and it's not based on reason, it's not based on fear, it's not based on a disbelief in the miraculous. It's based on the fact that we want to be the boss of our own lives. Everything else flows out of that. And gluttony is one more place where we're saying, I know what the rules are, but I want to be the boss. I want to eat like I want. I want to experience comfort like I want. I want to treat people like I want, and I'm not going to let anything tell me anything different. It's rebellion against God's authority in our lives. But he doesn't leave it there. Instead, Jesus came into the world to free us from gluttony, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, because surrendering to Jesus through the Holy Spirit kills gluttony. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, the, the growth of the Spirit in our lives. You drive around through the orchards right now, and all these green trees have bright orange oranges on them to say, this is what growth looks like for you and for me. The Spirit of God growing outside of us happens when we ask Jesus to come into our lives and to forgive us of our sin. At that moment, the sin that separated us from God is washed away. Jesus takes our place. There's two things that happen. All of our sin that we have committed that separates us from God, past, present, future, in every imaginable area of your life, God takes it off. You're no longer sinful when God looks at you. You ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sin. He says he's fair and he's consistent. He is always going to forgive us when we ask him to forgive us. But he doesn't just leave us at neutral. He clothes us with God's righteousness. So when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see the fig leaves that we've sewn together and taped together because they wore out yesterday and we needed to get something new today. Whether it's food, whether it's comfort, whether it's entertainment, whether it's using people. He sees Jesus' perfection clothing you and me. So he looks at you and me and he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus covering our sin. And then from the inside, God's spirit moves into you and me. And he leads us out of gluttony. Leads us out of using food and people and entertainment and puts his spirit in us to make us more like God. You know, a lot of other religions, they have things you can't eat and things that you can eat and all these dietary codes. And with following Jesus... It's that our lives are, our old lives are crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us and lives through us. It's God's way of surrendering us to the Holy Spirit and leading us away from gluttony. Where how that works out clearly most with food is that you and I are, are not just based to live solely on food. There's a moment uh, where Jesus is talking to the woman that he's talking to in John chapter 4 when he's saying, this water is going to leave you thirsty, but I got water that you're never going to be thirsty again. His disciples finally come back to him, and they're like, you have not eaten. And Jesus understands the value of hunger and how we need to eat. At the beginning of his ministry, uh, he leaves public, and he goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he's there for 40 days, doesn't eat anything. And the devil shows up to him, and he says the same thing to Jesus that he would say to you or me. Hey, that rock, you're really hungry. Let's make that rock into a loaf of bread. If you're fasting from anything, like we started that 21-day fast a couple weeks ago, for in our house, we gave up sugar and junk food. And I know, I can picture it exactly where it is. 
I know where the peanut butter M&Ms are hidden in my room. I know exactly where they are. And on the other side of the room are the peanut butter cups. And for the last 14 and a half days, those things have just been staring at me. It's the same way with Jesus. The devil shows up and he doesn't say, hey, you should go off social media because it's like 20 AD, all right? He says, how about you take that thing that you really, really want, food, and just make it appear. Just make it happen. Give in to the good thing. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is having the discussion with, with the woman. His disciples come back and they're like, you need to eat something. And he says, no, 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 my food doesn't actually just come. My nourishment doesn't come just from eating stuff, but it comes from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Everything that streams out of God into my life sustains me better than food does, better than entertainment does, better than comfort does, better than using people to make me feel good and make me feel comforted. It's better than that. So each week, as we look at these seven deadly sins, I'm going to leave you with seven decisions you can make today to walk yourself out of the things that we talk about. And so the first one, the first decision that I want us to make today, seven decisions you can make today, is to become a Christian. What this means is you're living out the, the work that Jesus did in our lives, in your life, to save you from your sin. We're loved by God. We're separated from God because of our sins. Jesus came into the world to give us freedom and salvation from our sins. And we can make the decision today to say that work on the cross was for me, 100% for me. And today I'm trusting you as my Savior. You can come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me more like you. And when we ask that, that makes us a Christian. And that makes you and me filled by the Holy Spirit. God moves into your life to give you new desires and new power to carry out those desires, to live for him. That's becoming a Christian today, and you can do that today if you've never done it before. Second decision is to recommit your life to Jesus today. If that happened a long time ago and a lot of life has happened between now and then, today's your day to come back home. Jesus is working in something totally practical to hit a need in your life that's very, very spiritual, and that's for you to come back to Jesus today. Third thing is to fast one meal this week. That means that you're just going to skip a meal. Right, we've got whatever your routine is to do one less. And my encouragement for you in that is to set an end date of when that's going to happen. So if I'm going to fast a meal, the meal I'm most likely to fast is breakfast. I call this the blitz fast. I get up early, so by the time lunch comes around, I've been up for a while, which means I'm hungry and I'm ready to eat anything that moves. Okay? So... You set an end time and you set rules. I get up in the morning, I drink coffee because coffee's liquid. I don't drink smoothies because smoothies used to be food. And you can't drink smoothie if you're fasting. And you're like, well, smoothie is kind of like liquid so I can drink it. And steak, you know, that, that plate was next to the blender, which makes things liquid. No, you can't eat steak while you're fasting. You make a rule. You say, this is what I'm going to do for these amount of hours. And then the time's up and you can go back to something that's good. But what this does is it trains us to rebel against our flesh, right? If, if, if gluttony is rebelling against God-created order, then fasting is rebelling against the way that our appetites drive us crazy. So pick one meal this week and fast, and make sure it works for you. A few years ago, I made the decision for a couple weeks, I'm going to fast like during the workday, which for most people is 8 to 5. 
but I like to work early, so like 7 to 3.30 or 4, and I would come home raging with hunger and still be around Anna and the kids until 5 o'clock when daddy goes back to normal. That was not a good idea, all right? Pick something that works in your life that is not going to drive the rest of your family nuts because you're hangry. Next thing is exercise day and night. Exercise day and night. Didn't we cover this last week? Not exactly. Because exercise, what I'm challenging us to is get me on this, okay? There's 345 days left in the year. For some of you, I want you to walk or run or get there, however it looks for you, 300 miles this week, or this year. 300 miles this year. (laughs) If you feel like your heart just exploded, raise your hand. Somebody CPR certified, it's not me. 300 miles this year, okay? There's 345 days left in the year, which means for a lot of you, that means walking one mile a day. You get 45 days off. Your job doesn't even love you that much. I will give you 45 days off. Paid vacation. But for 300 days for the rest of the year, walk one mile. If you want to track it, I've got a Nike Run Club app, which is great for that. You can download it for free. And that tells you how many miles you did at what pace each month. And you just add that up. But say you're really busy and you can't do it. Like on Sundays, I can't run. And so what I do is I just run more on the days around Sunday. When you realize I'm not going to be able to walk on Thursday, I'm not going to get my 20-minute mile in on Thursday, then you do a mile and a half on Wednesday and a mile and a half on Friday. And then it all evens out. It's doable like increments into a really big goal. Nobody's going to get to December and say, okay, I got 299 miles left to go. I'll see you in January and just start walking to Vegas. That's not going to be good for any of us, especially when you get there. But you exercise day and night. Pick a goal. Get to it. Use your body because the more you use your body now, the more you can use your body later. Second thing, the night part. The best supplement that you can put into your workout regimen is free. It's called your bed and your pillow and nighttime. Go to bed early, wake up early, and then start your day. Get some time in to do your one mile before the sun comes up, especially in the summer. Otherwise, it's been great having you friends today. We've gathered to remember the life of guy who tried to walk when it was noon. <laughs> Exercise day and night. Go to sleep. That's the best supplement that you can buy because it's 100% free. Next one, fast from your phone, specifically social media, all right? 2021, we were all encouraged to give up something for January. I realized social media is ruining the way that I look at my life, the way that I look at other people's lives. So I don't remember what it was, January 3rd, January 4th, January 5th of 2021, I decided I'm going off social media. So January 6th, 2021, I know there was an open house. I know that some people went to the Capitol, that one of them had a buffalo hat on, and I just hope everybody had fun. They're doing the math trying to figure out what that was. Yes, that was January 6, 2021. That's a microcosm of what happens when we let social media feed our lives as it's poison. It's bad. And fasting from our phone opens our eyes up to everything that's going around us. So I think for me, this is the big one this week. When you get home from work or when your family comes home, put your phone in the other room and then lock the door and then move. Like none of us are going to be benefited by having our lives run by a little machine that stares at us 24-7. We fast from our phones. 
Next thing is read your Bible and do shape four times this week. Why four? Because there's a massive difference that happens in our lives when we do something spiritual four times. That's what the science says. So why? I don't know. That's what it says. So you went to church. That's one. Now let's read our Bible to get to the rest of it. And if you don't know what shape is, there's a bunch of journals on the rounds table as you walk out today. It's the way that God speaks to us and the way that we get to dialogue with God. And then the last thing, the last way to step out of gluttony, and this goes back to the people, is number seven is have someone over to your home this week. Have someone over to your home. If you think, man, my house is not nice enough, nobody can come over. They're just going to get everything everywhere, and they're not going to like the food. And here's the reality. Your crazy neighbors who are loud all the time have the same house as you, and they've got people over all the time. You have the same house, so have somebody over to your house this week. Embrace hospitality and experience inviting people into your house. Are they going to mess things up? Yes. Are they worth it? Yes. The alternative is we binge on ourselves, and that always leads us to death. This is all really practical stuff, and the goodness of God in the practical things is he loves you and me enough to not just make everything holy and ethereal, but to move into your life practically. To not just help you on Sundays, but to lead you through every single part of the week. That's God's love for us. And it's our joy to respond to that, to find freedom in him in that. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more, you can find us at sunnyside.mountainview.org. Now let's go be a church that makes Jesus look good.